Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, well, good to see you guys. Today we're going to start off with the point, or maybe one of the points that I intend to make today, and that is that um, <clears throat> maybe just the concept that maybe we're fix, fixated on some things that he's not quite as fixated on, you know. And when I, when I think of this, we've been laying such a, ground, a foundation for several weeks deliberately about what it means to be disqualified or not disqualified, you know. And, um, and, and just the reality that this lie that sin separates us from God is, is not reality on his end. And it's not biblical, you know. And that Colossians 1, that we were once alienated and enemies in our minds, but now he's brought us together. And so there was this, this mental alienation, separation, but that he's always with us. And that our sin doesn't disqualify us or separate us from God. And so I wanted to start off with a couple of, um, I would say, words that are written in red. If you don't know what that means, you know, sometimes your New Testament will have like, will have, you know, they'll highlight Jesus' words in red. Some of you have that kind of Bible, some of you don't. Mine happen to be that way. This one does, some of them don't. But a few things that he said about judgment and condemnation that was coming. And... Um, one of which was in John 5:22, where Jesus says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And um, I'm, 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 I'm thinking I might have a little bit of a problem with that, because I found something in John 3 that's a lot more popular because of the John 3:16, where it seems to uh, say something similar to that but with different roles and it says for god so loved the world john 3 16 and 17 that he gave his only son the monogenes the, the mono, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life but then verse 17 says for god did not send his son to the world to condemn or judge the exact same word the world but in order that the world might be saved through him and I thought, wait a second now, what are you saying here? God didn't send me into the world. God hasn't, the Father has not sent the Son into the world to judge or condemn the world. And then John 5, two chapters later, he's like, yeah, God, the Father has given the Son all judgment into his hand. And I think we've come under this mentality or this mindset, which is a direct result of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, seeking to judge, or be judged, you know. And it sounds like we've majored on something that maybe he's not majoring on. The Father's given all judgment to the Son. The Son doesn't ju judge anyone. The, the Father didn't send the Son to judge. It's like these two different things. It sounds like, so, so wait a second, what's this condemnation and judgment then? When's this coming down the pipe? What's happening to us all? But it sounds like he's not even in that conversation. He's distancing himself from that there. And I think we can be so fixated on judgment, condemnation, uh, disqualification, without the realization that, you know what? He's not quite as focused on that side of the tracks as maybe we thought. But there is something that he is focused on. 
on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. That's a, that's a hard, fast, kind of a, kind of a warm, that's kind of a hot statement right there. I'm creating, I'm building something, I'm establishing something that will do war against hell itself that's on the earth. You mean you've come to judge us all, right? You know what I mean? You've come to just, it's like, no, I, I've come to, to bring that heat, but not against you. I'm setting something up with, with war on my mind. You know, and it's not a concept or a thought that we have very much, but like 1 John 3.8 says, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. It's just like, man, when you hear some of these quotes about him, it thinks you, you kind of st start to consider like he, he came with an agenda. It, it sounds kind of like gangbusters to me. He was much more concerned with wrecking the gates of hell and wrecking shop and liberating his people than he was condemning anyone. Amen. And when we watch his life, we see all these people. Well, sin separates you from God. You know, we see John 8. You see a woman caught in adultery and gets brought to the face of God. You see the four, you know, four men lowering the paralytic through the roof, the mindset, the roof, the four gospels, bringing him in front of Jesus. And Jesus' first statement is not that you're healed, is that, hey, your son, your sins are forgiven. So obviously he was in a state because he was in, you know, something had happened. And guess what? Well, that's, that's I, I removed that from you. And by the way, get up your, take your bed up and, and go ahead and walk, you know. Fatini at the well. Hey, listen, I know about all the husbands. I know about all the, the trash in your life, and I'm still here. You know, all of mankind, even other religions, had this mentality of God being separate from them. And it's like, hey, I've come to rescue you in the very midst of your garbage. And not only that, you can be yourself with me. And I will lead you into a truth that walks you out of it. Mm. Yeah, man. It really is uh, incredible. In that John 3.16 and 17 that the Son didn't come into the world to judge the world and to condemn the world. In other words, how about this? Judgment is not what you think it is. It is not condemnation. It's not what we've thought that it was. It is not the fire being called out of heaven upon people, which we'll see that today. You know. But John 3.19 and 20 says something, says something very, very beautiful when Jesus is actually talking about this, that he didn't come to judge the world. He didn't come to come condemn, but the Father loves the world, and he's actually come to, that the world might be saved. He says something in verse 19 about what the judgment actually is. And this is the judgment. That's ESV, or, or um, your King James will say, this is the condemnation. That word's the same in John 3, 19. This is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and doesn't come to it, lest his deeds should be exposed. And it's just like, wait, wait, wait. This is the judgment. You mean that you're going you're gonna to burn up all the bad guys. That's the judgment. Like, no, 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 that's, that's actually not what I'm here to do. This is the judgment. This is the condemnation that the light's actually come and he manifests in the world. And people have this free will choice to come to it or to separate themselves from it. Amen. I was like, wait a second. So the judgment is free. It's, it's, it's this outer darkness, this, this you know, throwing into the dark side of the tracks. It's like this judgment, you're actually telling me 
It's those who just choose not to actually come to you and come to the light. Like, yeah, that, that's actually what the condemnation is. And it's like, man, it's, it sounds like darkness is not what disqualifies people, but rather not choosing to come to the light when he's manifest. It even sounds like, you know, judgment is living under the curse of the fallen nature and refusing the readily available cure that is right there in the midst of that walk. Hmm. It's like nobody's throwing nobody into judgment. It's like we're the ones who choose judgment when God manifests truth. I've seen this even with believers. People that choose judgment, God manifests the truth and reality in their life, but they choose to go the different, another direction. Like, I don't want it that bad. That's going to cost me too much. It's going to be too uncomfortable for me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, then you're, you're choosing darkness. That's what, the, that's what the judgment is. The kindness of God leads to repentance. Like, God's actually good. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's profound. And in James 4, 17, you know, when, we t- when he talks about sin in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, it's like, he who goes, knows the good he ought to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's James 4, 17. We're going to get back to that probably. Not today, but it's just like this reality of what sin is, is like when you're led into the truth and the reality of the goodness of God, and you choose contrary to, do, contrary to it, to him it is sin. And it's personal, because it says, to him it is sin. Not like, and that's, that's sin for everybody. It's like, no, to him, who that truth is revealed, and he's led, and he rejects that walk of light. There, that's sin. You know. But we look at Jesus' life, and he is, he is all about empowering people, right? Um, redeeming people, who we would all consider was worthy of being judged. And I think one of the greatest places, we've, we've done a lot of them over these past several weeks, but I think one of the greatest passages of Scripture is in Luke 9 and Luke 10 of just how he dealt with his disciples. Because we have this mentality, in, even in, in the Christian world, that our sin separates us from God, that our works are what matters, and that when something manifests in our heart that's negative, we disqualify ourselves and we go into the doghouse, a doghouse God didn't build and he never sent us to. You know what I mean? And so we mope around until our religious works make us feel good about ourselves again. And then we're coming back out and actually, hey, I'm ready to live this thing. You know what I mean? And it's this up and down, immature, roller coaster ride of the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil. Because that knowledge of good is just as bad as the knowledge of evil. It's all poisonous and it's all a trap. But Jesus literally comes, and it's like, I think it was a few weeks ago we were talking about the trap of familiarity. When Jesus comes back into his home region in Mark 6 and people got offended because and it says he couldn't do many mighty works except for healing people, which is must mighty works. You know what I mean? You know, to me, um, you know, but he, he's like they were offended because they were so familiar with, oh, we know him. We know his dad. We know his stepdad. We know his family. We know, all, you know, eh, you know, all this stuff. But immediately after that, and I love this, Jesus actually empowers his disciples to go out and do what he's been doing. Almost like he didn't take it as a rejection. It says he marveled at their unbelief. But then he goes and he empowers his disciples because it's getting towards the end of his life, even though it's chronologically looks a little different in in Luke and and in Mark. And he he empowers them to go out and do the very things that he's doing. And so we have this story. It's in like Matthew 10. We're going to do the Luke 
uh, version, where he gives his 12 disciples, he gathers them together, and he gives them power over all de demonic things, and, and gives them power to cure diseases, and he tells them to go and preach the kingdom of God. And it's like, it's really interesting. He, he empowers the 12, even Judas, yes, the whole, the whole group, you know, to go out into these cities and do the very things that he's been doing this whole time. And he does it right when people were offended at him in his hometown. And I love this because we know this, that, that if, the, if the rulers of this world would have known who he was, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. And so now he's become so famous, he can, he can barely go in and out of a lot of the cities, but now he's multiplying himself through his people. And so there's spiritual bombs that are being dropped all over the region and no one knows, like, how's this happening? You know? And it's funny because you see you, you know, Luke 9 and, and he tells them not to take... Um, Staffs or money bag to stay in the house, you know, where they're welcome. Shake the dust off their feet in the cities they're not welcome. And uh, but it says in verse seven that when Herod, the king, the false king of the Jews, the false king of those twelve tribes, heard what was going on in the regions, all these miraculous things, because you know there was obviously there was healings. There was a lot of confrontation with dark, darkness and light, which is healing, but like in highly demonic ways. You know what I'm saying? Casting demons out and stuff like this. And um, he heard what was going on, and he was, it says he was perplexed. I love that word in verse 7 of Luke 9. And because uh, some people thought John the Baptist had risen from the dead, and he had killed John the Baptist reluctantly, but he had to do it, you know, because of his, his wife slash, you know, all this stuff. And so he's, he's kind of freaking out, like people are saying John the Baptist raised from the dead, and now he's come and doing really wild, miraculous things. You done messed up, you know. And some people are thinking it's so Elijah's back, and some people are thinking, you know, this is the prophets, some one of the prophets, is, you know, people don't really know, but they literally come back to Jesus, um, the disciples, the twelve, and they're actually telling them everything that happened on this trip. I don't know how many, how long they were gone for a month or two, but it sounds like Jesus was just kind of camping out, and they were doing their things, and he was hidden for a second, you know. Um, I'm sure he was doing something weird, you know what I mean? But you know, he was doing something, but. Um, the 12 themselves weren't around with the rest of the disciples. So they come back and he says, hey, let's, let's go aside by ourselves for a while. And you, and you have these stories of Luke 9 where they try to go by themselves, but they can't. People are following them and he's multiplying food. This is the story of the transfiguration. He brings James and John and Peter up to the Mount Transfiguration. They see Moses and Elijah standing there. You have all these brilliant things where the disciples have gone from these juniors that are following him all the time, learning his essence, learning his ways, seeing the manifestations of the kingdom of God. But now he's actually given them this mandate to actually go and release it themselves. And there's a lot of schools of thought on that is that, you know, the Holy Spirit had not been poured out upon them yet. You know, he hadn't breathed the Holy Spirit upon them and then Pentecost hadn't happened and all this empowerment, you'll, you'll be endued with power, the Acts 1-8, you know. All this stuff hadn't happened to them yet. They were just going under the authority of his word telling them to go and do it. They weren't even walking in what we live, our reality as Christians now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, there's some other thoughts I have. You know, just like the, you know, the centurion saw Jesus and he was so, so surprised. Remember that story? Um, Jesus was so surprised because the centurion said, hey, you just say the word and it will be done. My, my servant is sick, but you say the word and it's going to be done because I... I recognize something. I have soldiers under me, and I know you have something under you. And Jesus marveled. I haven't seen this great faith even in Israel. You guys remember that story if you had nods around here? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So since Centurion saw something there. You're not just this Jewish healer teacher guy. 
you're on another level of authority and you have things under your, you have, you have soldiers under, you can speak the word and they release it. And these angels move like the speed of light. So he would say something, it would happen somewhere else at the same time because they would just go and enact it. And so I also have the thought, maybe this is too much, but I have the thought of him taking his 12 disciples together, this Luke 9, you know, the Matthew 10, 10, 8, and, uh, you know, literally saying like, go and preach the kingdom, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. It gives a, a, more, a bigger list in Luke uh, 10, um, but it's the same as, I mean, as Matthew 10, but in Luke 9, it's the same story. And these guys are like, you're telling us to go do what? When they've seen him touch lepers before, they're like, I gotta go do that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like just, just do it all, man. You know what I'm saying? And so they're like, okay. But um, I have a feeling that the audience in that meeting was bigger than what we could see. The angelic host that was under his command was with them boys, and it's like, yeah, watch the guys. You know, they're they're idiots. You know, maybe not to that level, but I think that's what we're gonna see here in Luke nine. You know what I mean? Because they kind of were idiots. You know, um, I say that in the most reverential way I possibly can. Um, but you know, we we haven't built any statues to them like them Catholic boys. So I mean, what you go do, right? But anyhow, we can edit that out, Amanda. Right? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. So anyhow, so. Anyways, in whatever way he imparts power to these guys, he does it and they go out and it happens. And can you imagine the confidence of these young guys that, you know, some of them were like crooked, you know, Matthew, tax, you know, in the tax office working and some of them were fishermen and some of them were just, these guys were regular Joes um, and young and they've just stepped out and done stuff they've seen their hero doing for a few years, for a couple years now. And it's like, that's got to give you a, a little bit of confidence. You know what I mean? If you, you prayed for a leper, you said in the name, you know, if you came and you did, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, leprosy, you know, and that thing, that hand, whoom, grows back the way Jesus had done it. You know, you, you, your chest going to stick out a little, little bit. You know, you're going to be like, yeah, this is, you know, God is with me. I just might be the man, you know. And so that's basically what's happening. Jesus takes a few of them up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Can you imagine that? Some of them have actually seen Moses. The hero of their faith you know they've seen elijah the baddest prophet of, of of all time they've seen elijah over there just you know whatever he looked like furry outfit dreadlock looking guy like oh my gosh that's him so these guys are coming into a level like they're entering into something supernatural like this whole thing is so much more even real than it's been for us and we're part of it you know and jesus starts to pour his heart out to his guys in luke 9 and 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 literally talk to them he says in Luke 9, 44, let these words sink down into your ears for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. So he's, he's like, hey, this is right after the transfiguration. This is probably weeks before, I would imagine, um, the actual crucifixion hits in the, tr in the real chronological order, order of this story. And he's like, let it sink down into your ears. <laughs> if somebody tells you something like that, like, guys, can you... Can you please try to listen to what I'm about to tell you? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's who he's working with, right? And so he's like, listen, let it sink down into your ears. But it's also like, I know you're not going to be able to understand this. And when it happens, you're going to be really freaked out and not understand it. But then this will come back to you because you'll remember it, you know, later on, you know. And so that's kind of what's going on. In verse 45, it says, but they didn't understand it. And it was hidden from them, so they didn't perceive it. And it says, and they were afraid to ask him about it. You know, it kind of made them nervous. Like, what? Like, what? I, don't, I don't know if I want to know what you're saying. 
I don't know if I want to know that. That's not the way I believe this thing's going to work, you know. In verse 46, though, it says, Then a dispute among them, this is the twelve, came up as to which of them would be the greatest. You know? Like, here's the, this is, this is the Davidic king. He's going to rule the world with a rod of iron. Like, you know what I'm saying? This whole thing's coming back to Israel, man. I can't wait to see the look on the Romans' faces. This is going to be awesome. But which one of us is going to be one of the top dogs that's the closest up there next to him? You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, everybody, every Superman has its, you know, you got to have some other X-Men there that are pretty close to him. You know, maybe that's going to be me. And so they're actually, that's, this is the mindset that these guys are in. These are the type of people that we, we we're talking about here. <laughs> they're like us, you know, are prone to some of the same things. So they're, 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 they're communicating in this way to one another. And it says, Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart. In other words, they didn't talk like this right in front of him. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is so funny. Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart took a little kid and set him by himself. Said, hey, come here, buddy. You know? And he said, hey, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will be great. And so here he is. He doesn't get the, he doesn't get the ruler out and start a spanking. You know what I mean? But he's like, listen, guys. He who receives me, you know, receives him who sent me. Like, this is important. Somebody you think is insignificant. You're in this mindset of significance and who's great and who's not. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, hey, even the least of these that you accept is like accepting me somebody who you really highly esteem, the, the Messiah, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, listen, kind of like be undone with this grid of competition and elitism. It's, it's, it's not who you are, you know? And he who's the least of you will be great. It's not about who's going to be the greatest, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't let that leaven enter your hearts. And that's a beautiful rebuke, but it's just kindness of him leading us into truth. And, um, it says, now John answered, um, oh, I'm, you know, now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he doesn't follow with us. And so um, I think, you know, this, this is where I would probably draw the line as a leader right here, okay? Because, you know, somebody comes in, you're having this talk about not being elite, and, and, and not thinking of yourself as greater than each other or other people. And um, I just picture John, you know, they're around the campfire by themselves or whatever it is, is. And John is like proud of the fact. I can see him just walking up like, hey, master, crisis averted, crisis averted. Uh, okay, John, like, what did you do? Well, we saw somebody casting out demons in your name. But don't worry. We made him stop doing it. It's like, what do you mean? Did you tell him to put the demon back in the guy? Put that thing back in that guy. You leave that guy alone. But yeah, because he doesn't travel with us. He's not one of us. We forbid him because he doesn't follow with us. He's not as close to you as we are. So don't worry. Don't worry, master. I put a stop to that real quick. You may imagine being proud about something like that. Like, don't worry. I shut it down. I shut it down. Like, well, what was he doing? He's putting a demon in guy. No, he's taking it out. I, so what was he? So what's the what's the problem, John? 
So what's the issue with that? But Jesus says to him, if what Daniel says, Daniel says to him, you know what, John? You see your way out of the 12 right now, buddy. You're on probate. You're in the, you're in the 70. And you, I can't trust you. That's, a ter- that's terrible. You're an idiot, John. You know? But Jesus doesn't do that. He says, hey, don't forbid him. For he who's not against us is on our side. It's just like, dude, aren't you going to tell him how dark that is and how, how much of a scoundrel he is? It's like, hmm. It doesn't seem like the son... So the father doesn't judge anybody, but he's given all judgment to the son. But the son's come into the world also not to judge anybody, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So who's going to judge John? That's what I need to know. Who's going to condemn this guy? Because he's an idiot. This is bad. He's, he's putting demons in people or, forcing, or keep making them stay. Like, this is terrible. But Jesus, is, he leads in truth. The Spirit will lead you into all truth. So this guy doesn't even get a hot rebuke or anything. I, you know, I might even put my hand on the guy. Grabbed him by the collar or something. You know, it's like, he's like, no, nope, that's the way of Adam. That's the way of the accuser. Like they, they, like they put hands on that girl and came and brought her in the synagogue and threw her on the ground. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I, don't, I don't roll this way. I don't cooperate with this. That's not who I am. Hey, John, did you think that that was probably a demon out of a person is good is a good thing yeah i guess so yeah man maybe maybe don't maybe don't block something like that from happening oh yeah yeah okay (laughs) the disciple whom jesus loved right that's what he calls himself john but he knows because even when i was acting like the devil himself you know what i mean territorial controlling wanting to empower demonic possession in a person I didn't get in trouble for it. I, I, I had to have a mind change like, that's not what we're doing. That's not who we are. Oh my gosh, yeah, of course. Sounds like the, you know, it's in the same conversation of them debating who is the best and who is the greatest. So, man, verse 51, the next verse. Now it came to pass when the time for come when time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face towards Jerusalem. So now, excuse me, we're actually going in. Jesus, in his mind, I'm going to redeem everything. I've multiplied myself. The disciples are doing this. The bad guys have no clue where it's coming from. You know, he's, he's, he's enjoying this time. Um, but he's going to finish this race and leave the keys to the kingdom with his 12 that he's, that he's raised. And luckily, they're all very mature spiritual guys. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah, they're idiots, as you can see. It's like, this is, you mean this is right before the cross? Like, yeah, that's what's going on here. It's all right, you guys are about to be in charge. Well, good. I just made a demon get stuck back to us. We were debating which one was going to be the top charge. It's like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jesus is like, yo, we're going to need a little more time, man. I can't go to the cross right now. These guys are idiots. They can't lead anybody. You know? But he doesn't see this way. Because they are actually with him. And that's the difference. Remember, what, what does lead into darkness and what does condemn is this is the condemnation, John 3. That the light manifests 
but it's rejected and they walk from it. These guys are in committed relationship to him. They are walking with him. That's the eye of the storm. That's the safe place for all of the issues of the heart to manifest, the reality that God is with you. Because it doesn't condemn you unless you refuse to actually walk it out with him and, 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 and step off the path. Then you, then you condemn yourself, you walk in darkness. But the things, the issues of the heart, the manifestations, we recognize them in this walk, which is what they were doing. Like Jesus like, that's not, that's not it, John. You know, There's sides to this thing. And if they're not against us, they're for us. So which side do you want to be on, John? Oh my gosh, I want to be on your side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So, demons out good, demons in bad. All right, lesson, lesson learned. No probation. No, no, now dip seven times. Now, hell marry this many times. Now, you know, whatever, no probation. Which is like, continue to walk with me. And the contrast happens. Now it came to pass, he was actually going to Jerusalem, like I was saying, and he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a, vision, a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they didn't receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Okay. Remember that verse. Jesus is traveling with his disciples in this same six, seven verses that we're talking about today, and... Some of the people that went before him went to actually see if they could lodge in, um, in a Samaritan city, which, you know, there's racial tension and beef there between the Jews and Samaritans. Um, but they didn't receive him. But it's not because they rejected him. It says, it says they didn't receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. In other words, he was never supposed to be there, so it didn't work out. I think sometimes we take rejection as personal, and God's like, hey, like, I just didn't have that for you. It's time to move forward. And that's what's going on there. But this triggered his disciples, James and John, quite a bit. Okay? In verse 54, it says, When his disciples, James and John, there's John again, demon, you know, blocker, you know, exorcism blocker, whatever you want to call that at the time. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, that they weren't allowed to go into Samaria, they didn't have room for him there. They asked the Lord, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? They're like, can you see like these two guys, these two fishermen brothers looking at each other like getting ticked off? Oh, oh, we can't stay there? Oh, we can't stay in Samaritan? Samaria? Okay, that's cool. And they're thinking like, I know what we should do. Let's roast them. Let's roast them. You know, this is important. We're about to go take the kingdom back here. We're with the Messiah. They're looking at each other saying like, you know what? He took us on that mountain. We saw, we saw Elijah. That's why we saw Elijah. That's why we saw him. He called fire down. Like, that is why we saw Elijah. I bet that's why he showed us Elijah. You know? Dumb. You know? Let's call down fire like Elijah did. We just saw Elijah. Maybe we should do what Elijah did. That's why we saw him. John's like, you're right, man. Let's do it. <laughs> well, what does Jesus do? Does he say, you can't follow with me anymore? That's murder, guys. You're wanting to kill people. That's murder in your heart. Thou shalt not, I think it's called kill, on the top of the list. Surprised you even need that list, but guess what? You obviously need that list. You know, because you're trying to kill folks. Give me a break. 
I don't ever want to see you guys again. You know, that's kind of how the ministry, you know, that's how we would do things. You're, you're at least on probation for a year. I'm not going to last a year, but you're on probation, you know, until you can have some, some healing in your heart or something. You have issues, you know, all these things. But what does Jesus do? He turns and it says he rebukes them, but it's, he says this, you don't know what spirit you're of. You don't know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives. He came to save them. And I'm on the front row thinking, that's all you're going to say, dude. That's all you're going to say about that. That's terrible. You know what I mean? But that's all he says. Hey, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. He doesn't accuse them. You are of your father, the devil's spirit, who was a killer. And he, he, he enticed Cain to kill Abel. And now you're, you know, he doesn't do any of these things. This is racism. This is motivated by racism, not your love for me. This is elitism. You see them, them as half-breeds and you're the... He doesn't do any of those things. He just says, hey, you, you don't know. It sounds just like the cross. Forgive them. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. And he gives them that card. You don't know what manner of spirit you're of. But the Son of Man did not come to destroy. He doesn't kill. Right? He came to save. John 3. Right? He came to save people. And it's just like, oh yeah. But does he need to accuse them or do they feel completely contrary to him in that moment? What is the conviction there of their hearts? Oh my gosh, I'm manifesting something that is so contrary to you. And you're leading me into truth. And here we have another opportunity to own the fact that like, oh my gosh, I'm being somebody that I'm not. And I'm, and I'm, I'm with you. And that's exactly what he does. They, that's exactly what they do. They, they realize this, this click. And I love like how Jesus includes them. Because he says, there he is speaking in third person again. The son of man did not come to destroy but to save. In other words, men's lives. He did come to destroy the works of the devil. But he did not come to destroy men's lives but to save. And by saying that, Yes, that's God incarnate. That's the Spirit talking about the Messiah. That's all these things. But he's like, hey, we as human beings, we're not here on this earth for destruction. That's what he's saying. We're here to save. All the giftings of the Spirit. That's like you see the Apostle Paul writing like 1 Corinthians 12. And you list in all these awesome gifts. And they're so powerful. Um, and it's the very things these people are manifesting in. Manifesting and walking in. But the Apostle Paul is just like, look, man. It all works through love. That's the most excellent way. And we go into 1 Corinthians 13, which is now it's like the wedding chapter for most people, but it's really talking about the power of the gifts of the Spirit functioning through love because God's love manifests in power and transforms the world. And God's empowered these guys, and you can only imagine what they're coming back with, like, oh my gosh, this is real. But the power of God and the, and the flow of God in their life actually caused dark things to come up in their heart. It wasn't that they were drifting off from the Lord. It was that they were actually becoming more and more close. And when that happens, we're with Him. The, 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 the contrary things of the heart manifest in such a way that we have the ability relationally with Him to see the contrast. They're, these guys are debating who's the best. You know what I mean? I healed a guy with leprosy when we were out. I'm clearly the best. It's like, no, dude, you're, he barely had leprosy, just a little couple spots, 
My guy didn't even have a whole arm that I healed. I'm clearly better than you. No. Well, I raised a guy from the dead. He'd been dead, you know, for eight hours, man. You know, I did this and I did that. I had seven demons coming out of this lady. And I was like, oh, I had about 50 demons coming out this guy. You're not as good as me. You know what I mean? This is how they're fighting. This is awesome. It's, ah, ah, ah. Power. Well, power corrupts. We got to shut people down. It's like Jesus is absolutely not that way. He empowers his people to do things more miraculous knowing that it's going to cause things to manifest in their heart but the gifts flow through love and they flow through connection in him and guess what it does it causes people to come to that place of the judgment this that the light manifests in their life and this is the judgment that they'll walk away if they don't if you know if they don't want to come to the light and so we all have this opportunity to be as close to the lord as we will as we as we will you know what i mean and we see the person of God in Jesus, the, the, the embodiment of Yahweh, talk, walking around, not disqualifying people, even for the worst things. The worst issues of the heart. And I love that verse, it, when, when you start chapter 10, it, letter, it literally says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them out two by two. And it's just like, wow, you sent these 12 guys out and this is the way they started behaving. And you thought you saw that as a good thing. So you chose 70, 72 more and sent them out. And it's just like, wow. So we're looking at that was a major victory or that was a major fail. We need to have some classes on on like integrity and like on love. We need to teach Corinthians 13 wasn't written yet. But Lord Jesus, you got to do something. We need to go back to those Beatitudes again because these boys don't have it. They got some bad attitudes, not the B attitudes, and this is trouble. And Jesus is like, he's like, I like this. Let's send 72 more. And it's like, dude, they're not even in the 12, so like, how are you going to manage this when it's all popping out? It's like, oh, it'll be managed. I'm going to be in them all. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, I want this. It's like, you know, we're, 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 we're thinking like disqualify, 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 because this is trouble. And he's like, no, 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 we're, I'm sending them. I want this. I want this. I'm not going to come accuse them of who they are, but I'm going to allow their, that, that in that walk with me for their heart to manifest those things that are contrary to who they truly are and who I truly am so they can see it because if they can see it, they can own it and they can walk away from it with me. And it's like this whole disqualification mentality is, is just like it is not... It is not scriptural and it is not in his life and it is not how he trains even his most closest disciples and it is not how he walks with us. And he's not here worried about that. He's worried about taking the game to the enemy because he can, they come back, the 70 goes out and they return to the Lord in, verse, in chapter 10, 17, when the 70 or the 72, the 72 is ESV, 70. It's both right, you know, it's, it's both quite probable. It ties into um, Genesis 10. It's the number of these nations. Um, but it says the 72 return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So it's like, here's another round. A bunch of, a bunch of them coming back, fired up about power. You know? And we're thinking like, see, it happened again. You can't trust these people. <laughs> you know what I mean? They'll put the ring on like Frodo, man. You can't give it to them. <laughs> and it's like, no, this ain't that. This ain't that. This is me inside of them. This is light versus darkness. This is the family business. I'm not here to disqualify, but even them walking this stuff out is going to cause them to become closer to me. And I want it. 
Lord, even the demons. And he said to them, <laughs> to which he responds, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Have you ever known a one-upper? You say, man, I, 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 man, I, I, I drove a golf ball 200 yards the other day. He's like, man, I, you know what? I, I just drove one 225 the other day too. I'm like, oh, cool, man. You know, sorry, I was just thinking that because that sounds like a one-upper, but it's not. Jesus is like, hey, we cast out a bunch of demons. He's like, dude, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Yo. You know what I mean? He's not one-upping them, but he's, he's just like, hey, this thing's about war to me. I like it. I like it. Doesn't that feel nice? Is it just me that likes that so much? It might be. But, um, but it's like, no, I saw Satan fall. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Like, they're nothing to you is what he's saying. I see Satan fall like the, the serpents, scorpions. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall be by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject, but rather that your names are written in heaven. It's like, it's like this, you, you're become a part of the team in such a way your name is, is written in the historical documents of heaven itself, of heaven coming into the earth. It's beautiful. Yeah. It says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. This is the Zephaniah 3.17. This is Jesus twirling, God twirling over you, right? Um, dancing over you. It's, and so here you have Jesus, man. If you're watching this like a movie, you see this stuff come back. And it's, these things are manifesting to the disciples, but he sees it as good. And he's like, hey, like, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babies. In other words, this whole thing stay in secret. That 1 Corinthians 2 is like, if the rulers of this world would have known they would have never crucified the Lord of glory, now I'm setting off a chain reaction I did with the 12. Now I've got the 72. And now this kingdom reality has started and nobody knows. They can't figure out where it's coming from or where it's going. And it's going to play right into their hands. They're going to crucify me because of this envy. And, and I'm going to actually pay for everything and unlock all of mankind. Like right into, right into my plan. That's how he's thinking. And he's fired up about it and he's screaming about it and he's twirling about it because that's what that literally means. He's rejoicing like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Fired up. And it's hidden. And then he says in verse 22, all things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows who the son is except for the father. There it is. Like no one really knows who I am. The embodiment of Yahweh's walking around and he's like, my secret is officially safe because it's popping off everywhere. No one knows who the Son is except for the Father and who the Father is except for the Son and the one whom the Son wills to reveal him. That's a brilliant statement right there. No one knows who I am. Nobody knows who he is. But boy, they're all about to know. That's what this whole thing was about. And he kept it hidden. This understanding unlocks such, so much bad theology of the religious system that keeps so many people capped. They think they're accepted, but they're capped and they're locked in. And it's like this understanding of what he's even saying there is just, it's just like, boom, it's freeing to what he's doing, what he was doing. And he turns to his disciples and says privately and says, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. It's like, you guys are watching this thing unfold. You know what I mean? And, and I'm talking about somebody that's way more exuberantly excited than what I'm manifesting right now. Because that's how he was acting. Yeah. God is not concerned with condemnation. As a matter of fact, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. 
says in Romans 8. It's like, hey, if, if, if that's in your life, it is not him. He is not the disqualifier. The people he was about to give the keys to at the time were manifesting darker things than most likely anything we've manifested this week. Most likely. Somebody might have went murder mode this week in their mind or something. I don't know. Or that's in the podcast. And, but you know what? Like, There's a place for you too as long as you walk with the Lord in it. You know what I'm saying? There's deliverance there when you understand who he is. And Jesus is actually dealing with things that we would think would be totally disqualifiers. And he's dealing with it in a way of like, no, it's like, I want this. You think Jesus knew the things that were in their heart before they started manifesting on this last little leg of the trip? Absolutely. And it was like, finally, we get to deal with this. Let's get it. You know what I mean? Let's just, let's just, now let's, let's get this, let's get to the root of these things. You know what I mean? It's in the very end of Luke 9 right there, before he sends out the 72, some of the 72, I believe, that he was talking to, some of the disciples, were giving him excuses. And he dealt with those excuses way more harsh than he did with people that were actually thinking about casting fireballs on, on cities. And that's always blown my mind. It's, it's, the, it's the, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So follow me. And he asked a man to follow him in verse 49 of Luke 9. And he's like, let me go and bury my father. To which Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Like I'm sending you out like the 72. Another one said, I'll follow you, but first let me go say farewell to those who are at my house. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So these are the 72 he's actually sending out or maybe not sending out in that last one. But you know what I'm saying? It's just like, He's saying these really, what we would think like, ooh, that's kind of cold. That's kind of savage. You know what I'm saying? Let, let me go bury my father and let the dead bury their own dead. Like, yee, you know what I mean? He deals so much more ruthlessly with those type of mentalities than he did with the things manifest in people's heart that were committed to walking with him. It was all excuses about people's commitments. Let me go big farewell to people in my house. Let me go bury my father. And it's not that his dad had died that day and like, we got a funeral set up in, in two days and let me go bury him. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, let me go and honor my parents, you know, his way of life. You know, he, he's not going the same route as me. Let me go please my family. And once they pass away, I'll be free to really just live however you want me to live. You know what I'm saying? And, and so many people live this life. They're trapped in perpetual immaturity because of the fear of man, because of fearing what people think and what it's going to look like when, when they choose to follow the Lord, what, what it's going to look like if they... If they rock the boat, let me go say farewell. Let me go tidy it up with my family. Let me go tidy it up with people. And it's like, look, it's not about tidying it up with people. It's like your heart has to be to please the kingdom, please the Lord first above all things, no matter what it looks like, and let the chips fall where, they're, where they may. And it's like, man, Jesus, like, you, seem, you seem more, more aggressive towards the, the people that have one foot in and one foot out. They're kind of wishy-washy and perpetually, you know, flaky and, and, and not, don't really fully follow through. And it's just like, yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's accurate. But the ones that were walking with them is like, hey, they're with me. They're, they're, they're already here. You know what I mean? It was, it's, it's different. First John 1, 7 says, to walk in the light, he who walks in the light has fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses them from their sin. In this First John 1, it's not talking about being 
forgiven for sins because we know we've been forgiven. You know what I'm saying? But it's talking about this, the fellowship, the koinonia, those people that you're called to walk with in this life. It sounds like to me that relational connection to him and to his body is completely and totally crucial above all things. Yeah. We hear these things like, you know, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers and stuff like that. And we always think of like, you know, don't meet some girl at a bar and think she's going to be, you know, a Christian wife, brother. You know what I mean? And, and I guess that can kind of float, but like in 2 Corinthians 6, it's, it's literally talking about being yoked with unbelievers, but I believe it's really talking about the religious system and the religious machine. Because he's like, don't be, don't be yoked up in kingdom partnership with those that don't fully believe what's going on here and what I've paid for. There's, there's no agreement there. There's just not. It's just like, we call it the whole lamb theology, the, you know, the Passover lamb that had to eat the whole thing. Like there's, there's, no consum- there's nothing that we can leave behind of the scriptures, of the reality of this new covenant. We're not going to make a pact to just, you know, kind of, well, we can, we can flip-flop on certain issues or whatever. It's like, no, it's like, no, full, wholeheartedly all in with the Lord or it's not. And that's how Jesus treated people. But it wasn't because he was elitism, because he was slamming on elitism. It's because, hey, like this life is all in. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's a full-time gig. It is, it is the purposes of, of heaven and of the kingdom. And nothing you do in that lane will disqualify you, as long as you stay in relationship to me. I said me, but I didn't mean me. You guys catch that right. I'm talking about the Lord. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is when, <coughs> if you stay connected to him, Things are going to come up. You know what I mean? It just, it just is. If you stay connected in his body, the iron's going to sharpen the iron, which means the, the rocks, the, the sharp, the, the sparks fly sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But guess what? That's where growth happens. You know what I'm saying? That's where, that's where we champion each other on to who we're called to be. And that's where um, the Lord was training and equipping his people in this unit to literally take over the world and to destroy the works of the devil, the very purpose that the Son of God has manifested.